This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone, on this uh, cool day with the snow flying at times. uh, Really feel like, uh, dare I say it, Christmas is on its way winter anyway um well i don't know about you uh but i always found that financial literacy has always been a bit of a challenge to me (laughs) and try as i might i still don't seem to make much sense out of it but Change That Counts is the theme of this Financial Literacy Month right across Canada. Economic conditions influenced by the pandemic and rapidly changing geopolitical events have highlighted the importance of financial literacy, but how do you know what the best financial decisions are and when to make them? My guest today is licensed insolvency trustee with BDO and host of Your Money on VOCM, Nancy Sneddon. Hello. Hi, Linda. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. A confluence of um, hosts. <laughs> uh, um, I was going to ask you, and uh, by the way, your your show is ever so interesting, always with great guests. Um, can you recall a time, and I'm going to ask you this as somebody who knows and has been in the business for a long time, can you recall a time when things were so completely topsy-turvy? I really can't. I know we had, you know, some economic uncertainty back in 2008, 2009, but I really think that this is a little different, what's happening now, because it's at the outskirts of the pandemic, right? So we had all the uncertainty happening in the pandemic. And so now with, you know, record levels of inflation that we weren't necessarily seeing back then, um, interest rates are increasing. It really is just a perfect storm right now for financial uncertainty for individuals. And rapidly changing. It's not like, okay, this is the situation we're in now and we have to deal with it. It's tomorrow is a whole different story. It's so true. I mean, Christopher Friedland was on the media just, you know, a week or so ago talking about a recession is is coming, right? I think no one is saying that it's not going to happen. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen and how long it's going to last, really. It's the uncertainty. And which leads me to my my main question, I guess, in the point of this whole thing is that financial literacy, of course, is daunting at the best of times, let alone when conditions are so uncertain. Where do you start? It's so true, Lynn, and everyone's level of financial literacy is so different, right? Um, their level of understanding in different areas, you know, because some people had a good foundation maybe of learning those skills at home. We know that we need to do more in the school system, but I think, and some people know about budgeting, but maybe don't necessarily understand credit facilities and, and things like that. So there's always a different level of financial awareness. And I think that's why really the federal government set out to have this sort of national strategy around financial literacy back in 2015. And it's really Financial Literacy Month itself is meant to raise awareness around people's financial knowledge and know-how. Now, I'm a true believer that you don't just do it in November, right? You need to try to make sure you're building those skill sets and refreshing those skill sets all through the year. But I think at least by highlighting it during Financial Literacy Month, you get people focused on it. I say on my show all the time, knowledge is power. So whether you're talking to a professional to educate yourself, you're doing some learnings online or taking 
taking, you know, in-person courses, whatever the case may be, building those financial skills is so, so important. So how do you get people involved in it, though? I mean, I know so many people rather stick pins in their eyes than talk money or their own financial situation. How do you get people um, thinking about their financial literacy when, you know, they're usually whistling past the graveyard? Yeah, it's true. It's sometimes the last of the skills that people think about building. Sometimes it's because they're afraid of what they don't know. Right. Um, sometimes it's because they don't know where to necessarily start, which is why I think Financial Literacy, Literacy Month is important because it really gets people focused on that skill set that they should be looking at building. And this year, of course, we have making change that counts, managing your money in a changing world. And as we've been saying, the world is is changing significantly. Where we are today is not where we were a lot, you know, a year ago, two years ago, even five years ago. There's so many things that have been happening, and you know, the the financial. Um, Consumer Agency of Canada has been doing a lot of work in this area, and they actually started a program. They did a study back in 2019 about Canadians' financial capabilities, and they saw that they had been making progress since they started their program in 2015, but there was still so much work to do. And so they started a new campaign that with that's a new five-year strategy called Make Change That Counts. And so that ties in very nicely, of course, with the theme of this year's National um, Financial Literacy Month. And really what they're looking at under that Make Change That Counts program is how do we reduce barriers? So looking to ensure that consumers are not only getting financial information, you know, advice and tools, but that these things are easy for them to understand and navigate because we can give all the information that we want to people. But if it's not in language that they can understand or that they can actually implement into their lives, it's not actually having the impact, right, the desired impact. So it allows consumers to choose the products and services that really best fit their needs when it's in a language that they can understand. And it's important also, though, that I think in order to reduce these barriers, consumers need to really be comfortable asking questions if they're involved in the conversation. So let's say they're with a lender looking at getting a new loan or something like that. And the lender is going to the credit facility with them. If they don't understand something that the lender is saying, they need to be comfortable asking a question. If they don't understand or if they're uncertain about the meaning, ask the question because you really need to understand what you're signing up for when you're in these situations. And that is key because I know a lot of people who have been in that situation only to find out after the fact, I didn't know that this was going to be a variable rate. I did not know that this was for this term. I did not know that I could not uh, leave by this time without a penalty. Uh, You know, all of those little, those finer details that make a world of difference. Absolutely. Like many people don't know that, you know, their line of credit that they have, uh, the lender can ask for payment in full of that at any time, right? That's in the credit facility. Something that I get questioned about all the time is when there's co-signed loans or secondary card holders on credit cards. And I'll ask, you know, so is it a co-borrower or a co-signer? Um, they don't really know the answer to the question in most cases. Or I'll say, is there a secondary cardholder? Yes, but they're not responsible. I say, well, have you looked at your cardholder agreement to be sure of that? And it's kind of like a blank look, like, 
Well, I just assume they wouldn't be responsible because it's my card and I've given them one. But the cardholder agreement dictates whether or not they are responsible for some or all of that debt. So it's so important not only to read the fine print, but make sure you understand everything that's there. And your own life can change. The circumstances in your own life can change so dramatically at any given time. Uh, uh, relationships fall apart. People move away. Uh, you know, you might suffer the loss of a loved one. And all of those have those financial impacts if you've been co-signing with people or whatever the case may be. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's so important that you understand that as a co-signer, you are responsible for that debt. So as much as you might think the individual would never put you in that position, you don't know how their situation, to your point, could change to where they just can't make the payments. And uh, not not by any ill will or ill intentions. It's just a fact of life at that time. Make Change That Counts is the theme of Financial Literacy Month uh, this November right across Canada. Our guest today on On Target is Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO and host of Your Money here on VOCM, Nancy Snedden. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on Your VOCM. This is Financial Literacy Month. Our guest today on On Target is Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO and host of Your Money on VOCM, Nancy Snedden. And Nancy, you mentioned earlier about uncertainty and how things are changing so rapidly. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because I know this is something that you uh, keep coming back to time and time again, what are the basics in terms of, of setting a budget and how often does that need to be adjusted? Yeah, it's more important than ever right now, Linda, to not only set a budget if you haven't had one in the past, but to revisit it regularly. So previously, I might have said, you know, when you have your budget in place for the first, you know, two or three months, revisit it every month to make sure that it is what it, it should be. Uh, and then you can maybe let it sit for six months, even 12 months, if you've done a really good job and things haven't really changed a whole lot. I think the situation that we're in now, you really need to be re revisiting that budget weekly for the first couple of months that you've set it to, again, make sure that it is in good shape. And then every month you need to be revisiting it again because things are, are changing so rapidly. I mean, every quarter we're seeing an increase in interest rates. So anyone who's carrying a variable rate line of credit, for example, is going to have a change in their payments for sure every uh, quarter as those interest rates increase. Potentially, if you have a variable rate mortgage, you're in the same boat. But not only that, I mean, we're seeing changes at the gas pumps. We're seeing changes in the grocery store on a very regular basis. So it's so, so important to make sure that you're, you know what's coming in, you know what's going out. You can adjust your budget as needed. And most importantly, that you're living within your means and not really supplementing your income with the use of credit. And even if your budget is not set on a, a variable rate, uh, you could stand to get a, a quite a shock in, you know, whenever your, your mortgage is up for renewal. Absolutely. I think there's an estimate. I was reading a stat that there's an estimated 2 million Canadians that are going to be renewing their mortgage in the next 12 months. That's a lot of people who are going to see tremendously higher rates than what they would have seen when they did their mortgage five years ago. Um, for some people, it's going to mean that their mortgage is no longer affordable. For some people, it may be that they're going to be having to look at extending out their mortgage beyond maybe the repayment that they currently have in place. Some people are going to be looking at selling their homes. It, it, it is a real period of uncertainty for people looking to refinance right now. 
In terms of setting a budget, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, really see that as being a distasteful process because I think a lot of people see budgeting as as restraint, uh, as, um, you know, denying yourself those things that you want. But you can work that into a budget, can't you, if, if you can afford it? Absolutely. And so... Sometimes we say, let's reframe the conversation. And, and, you know, some people say, let's not use the B word, right? <laughs> let's look at it as cash flow planning or a spending plan or like just changing the phraseology sometimes make it, makes it a little more palatable for people to look at. So let's say we're talking about a spending plan. And so when you're looking at your spending plan, I always recommend that you look at what are the things that you enjoy doing that are going to make a huge difference in your quality of life if you don't get to do them. So as an example, if you're someone who really enjoys going out to lunch with your coworkers, well, let's not stop doing that, but let's maybe cut back. So maybe you're doing it once a week or every two weeks and you're building that into your budget. It might mean that you need to cut back on some other areas. Um, but you can build those things into your budget. And in fact, if it's something you want to do and know you're going to do, it's very important that you do build those things into your budget. In terms of uh, revisiting or, or um, um, reassessing your budget, on a, especially on a weekly basis, I mean, how do you make up for um, rising price of uh, groceries, for instance, the rising up because groceries have just gone through the roof. There's no way to predict where that's going to go. And, and it's not a variable. It's something that you need. Uh, same thing with gas or diesel, for that matter, home heating. Um, and not to mention, like you say, the, uh, the mortgage rates and that. Um, so how do you, if you don't have a lot of wiggle room, how do you account for all of that? Yeah, it's, it's something that's been really tough for people. And so some strategies that you can use when it comes to making sure you can stay on top of your grocery bill is, you know, planning your meals for the week, right? And going to the flyers and planning your meals around what the things are that are on sale, for example, so that you know what your budget is for groceries of the week and you plan your meals around that amount of money. I don't want to give too much away. I'm going to be talking with Julie Kuzmik on my show this coming Saturday, and, and Equifax just did a survey, and they talked to people a bit about groceries. And a lot of people, um, that's really high. It's going to be really surprising to people just how many people are cutting back on the amount of groceries that they're buying. That's troubling for me because I worry that, you know, that doesn't mean they're cutting back on the amount of money they're spending, but they're actually cutting back on the amount of food that they're bringing into their household. We know that food banks are busier than ever, right? And, and that's a testament to people are struggling to, to put food on the table for their family right now. It's uh, yeah, it's a challenging time for sure. When we we'll come back after the break, I want to ask you about the uh, federal fall economic update and uh, Christian Freeland's um, uh, words about the coming recession and how you plan with a recession looming, that kind of thing. When we come back after the break, this is Financial Literacy Month. Our guest today on On Target is licensed insolvency trustee with BDO and host of Your Money, right here on VOCM. Nancy Snedden. We'll be back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. 
And we're back. Our guest today on On Target is licensed insolvency trustee with BDO and host of Your Money here on VOCM, Nancy Snedden. This is Financial Literacy Month, and the theme this year is Make Change That Counts. And um, Nancy, you mentioned yourself, Christia Freeland didn't paint the rosiest picture in her fall economic update. Uh, how do you make the right decisions when you, uh, a recession is looming? Yeah, and I think that's what makes this Financial Literacy Month so important about building people's knowledge and skill set when it comes to their finances, right? So one of the strategies that the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada is focused on under their plan about making change that counts is helping Canadians develop those skills, right, and the capacity and the behaviors and the building blocks to really build financial resilience. And for me, financial resilience is key. Like, I love that that's the ultimate goal that they're trying to create because it really helps consumers take individual action and and create an environment that enables them to overcome these financial shocks and adversity, right, so that they can prepare themselves for, you know, the inflationary measures, the recession that will um, be coming, right? Whether we like it or not, it's coming. So right now, life is really throwing a lot our way, but it doesn't mean that it's unsurmountable, right, or insurmountable and people can't uh, overcome it. It just, it takes diligence and you really need to take an authentic look at your finances and make sure that you're not only looking at your spending plan or your budget, uh, however you like to, to phrase it, but you're making a plan to, you know, make some savings for yourself, however little or much that you can do that. And whether that's for an emergency fund or retirement, it is important that it's a consideration for you. And that might seem hard for people right now because cash flow is so strapped, but it is important. Another way that people should be planning for the recession is really putting a plan in place to repay their debt. And so if we look at the weekly themes for Financial Literacy Month, it really is a debt focus this year. And they're really talking about the importance of adjusting your budget, your spending, and really equipping yourself with the tips and tools that will help you manage your debt and, again, help you overcome these challenging and uncertain times. So if we look at last week's theme, it was find your financial balance. And this really comes down to, for me, budgeting and spending within your means. So we talked about that a little bit before the break and how you can avoid taking on additional debt because so many people right now are supplementing their income with credit. So they're using their credit card for gas, groceries, everyday living expenses. It's not like they're living extravagantly and using their credit card, you know, to eat out all the time and go on vacations and all that. No, the credit right now is increasing. We're at a record level of credit card debt. The average household is carrying $2,121. That used to be 2118 back in 2019. And we saw that come down over the pandemic, but it, over the last six quarters, it's increased each time. So people are consistently using their credit more and more right now. And we know there's lots of ways that people can go about budgeting and, and cash management, but the trick is finding something that's going to work right for you that you're going to be able to stick to. So one of the things I recommend is really getting to know for yourself what type of budgeter you are, right, and, and what's going to work for you. So we just launched actually on our BDO website the BDO Budget Persona Quiz. It doesn't take long to fill out. Um, you can go through a few little questions, and you'll find out if you're in one of four categories. So the stickler, the idealist, 
the procrastinator and the architect. And just knowing what type of persona you have will help you figure out what sort of budgeting plan or spending plan is going to work for you. So I encourage listeners to go to our website and take that quiz. It's at bdodebt.ca. The stickler? Yeah. (laughs) What are the four ones? Stickler? The stickler, the idealist, the procrastinator, and the architect. Ah, and so (laughs) two of those don't sound too good. Yeah, so I can go through. So there's a there's a basis for for these four uh, premises. So the stickler means that if you have a budget, you're really going to do anything to stick to it. So in many ways, you're doing a good job, but you probably don't need to be worrying about money as much as you maybe are. We know again from the Equifax survey, many many people are feeling anxiety. I think it's upwards of seventy percent of people are feeling anxiety about their finances right now. The idealist means that you can be overly optimistic about your finances and think you have more money than you actually do. So budgeting efforts can fall flat because you don't like to face the reality head on, right? You don't like to know that you don't have as much money as you do. The procrastinator means you need to understand for a budget, but for many reasons or you need to understand story that you need the budget, but for many reasons. You really have trouble reconciling that current spending habits with your future goals. And the truth is that you need to change the way you're thinking about money. And lastly is the architect. So your lifestyle and behaviors have been structured in a way that helps you avoid overspending. You can save money and enjoy the things you love most. So you really, you want to be sort of in that stickler and architect mode, less in the idealist and definitely not in the procrastinator mode. But I think doing that little quiz to see where you land will help you know um, if if you need to make significant changes and, and what significant changes you need to be making if so. So what are the first steps then in managing debt? Because I I think there's an awful, like you say, an awful lot of Canadians carrying uh, record levels of uh, debt. What's the first step? Believe it or not, Linda, for many people, it's going to be sitting down and taking stock of the debt that you have. I can tell you from experience in dealing with clients that um, they know that they're making their minimum payments on time and they're not behind on anything. But if you ask them, you know, how much is, is your minimum payment on all your debt? Many of them can't tell you. They need to go back and look through their account because maybe it's a direct withdrawal. They're not actually making the payment each month. If you ask them how much they owe, some of them have a roundabout idea. They don't know necessarily exactly what they owe on all the different types of debt that they're carrying. And if you ask them sort of the limit that they have remaining, so what, how much of your available credit have you used? Most can't answer that question. So it's really taking stock is the first step. So look at, write down all the debts that you owe. Write down all the minimum payments on those debts. First step then is going to be looking at that total and saying, okay, does that total amount fit in my budget? Am I going to be able to make a plan on my own to pay down this debt? Hopefully the answer is yes, and you have room in your budget to pay more than just the minimum payment. Because if you're only paying the minimum payment, you're really not getting ahead on your debt because you're just covering interest every month. And so from there, then you can make a plan to pay down the debt. And I think that really depends on what's going to motivate you. So I've talked on my show before about the debt avalanche and the debt snowball. And so one of those plans means that you're taking your highest interest rate debt and you're paying that down first. So you're making the minimum payments on everything else, 
but you're making the most that you can possibly make that you've got in your budget on that high interest rate debt. That's the one I like the best because that high, highest interest rate debt is what's costing you the most money. But for some people, they need that instant um, like gratification, I guess, right, to, to see that they're making progress. So for if that's you and you know you need that motivation, then I would start with your lowest debt so that you can get that one paid off, move on to the next one, and so on and so on until you're making progress on everything. But you need to just sit, sit down and, and take stock first and then make a plan. And, and that makes perfect sense because I think a lot of people, if, if you choose the one with the highest interest rate, even though you know that's the one you got to tackle, if you're not seeing any progress, progress there, you're going to feel discouraged and you're going to fall back into your same old patterns and you're not going to make any headway. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So it depends on what you need as motivation, right, um, in, order, in order to get, keep that plan and stick to it. When do you know, like, how can you tell when you need to call a professional? So I'll start, I think, Linda, by saying that there's many different professionals out there. Um, there it's funny, actually, just today there was a press release by Kara Poos, the Canadian Association of Insolvency and Restructuring Professionals, and the Office of Superintendent Bankruptcy. It was a joint release, and they talked about being wary of unregulated and unlicensed debt professionals. And I can't talk about that enough. They've been popping up more and more over the last couple of years. And really, they're luring uh, consumers, you know, on websites, through social media and, and targeted campaigns to call them to get debt help. And sometimes they'll talk about, you know, being able to wipe out most of their debt. Sometimes they'll talk about being able to help them rebuild their credit score. They're using different tactics. But really what they're doing is charging a fee only to refer them to a licensed insolvency trustee. Because at the end of the day, only a licensed insolvency trustee can actually help solve your debt through a consumer proposal or bankruptcy. So make sure that you're speaking with someone who's reputable. No um, not-for-profit credit counselor and no licensed insolvency trustee is going to charge you a fee to talk to you and explain your options. So I would go with one of those routes first to make sure you're getting a reputable person. So Credit Counseling Services in Newfoundland Labrador, Al Angel, Executive Director there, I've known them a long time. They're a very reputable organization. Or any of the licensed insolvency trustees in St. John's are going to steer you in the right direction. And how do you know so, when somebody is a licensed insolvency trustee that it's got to say it in their in their title, in their name, in their ad? It does. We are actually required to have licensed insolvency trustee in any advertising that we do. So you will know by an ad if, if they're saying they're a licensed insolvency trustee. And you can also look on the superintendent of bankruptcy's website if you're not sure. And they list all the licensed insolvency trustees because, of course, the federal government is the one who provides us with our license. So if you look on that website, you'll be sure to know that the person you're dealing with is reputable, regulated, and licensed. Our guest today on On Target is Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO, um, Nancy Snedden. She's also the host of Your Money here on VOCM. Uh, and we're talking about Financial Literacy Month, Make Change That Counts. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break.
This is Financial Literacy Month, and the theme is Make Change That Counts. Our guest today on On Target is the host of Your Money here on VOCM and licensed insolvency trustee with BDO, Nancy Snedden. And Nancy, you were talking uh, about uncertainty caused by inflation and and with um, this looming recession. What about people who have made investments, they've got that RSVP or a retirement plan, and are watching their nest eggs disappear? How do you resist the urge to pay? Panic. Yeah, no, it's true. It's really tough. And as I say, I'm, I'm in the same boat, right? I'm watching my investment uh, totals go down. And I think the best advice I can say, because it's going to be different for everyone, right, on, on what your best move is. So it's going to depend on the type of investments you're carrying. It's going to depend on the time that you have to retirement to where you're going to be looking to those investments for a source of income. So the absolute best advice I can give you is to talk with your financial advisor and find out what the best strategy is for you. Um, um, you know, I've had Jackie McCann Scott on my show talking about this and Aaron Facey and, you know, they would say the same thing, that they're really hesitant to give people advice on whether or not they should be making moves with their investment because every single person's situation is different. So the best strategy, honestly, is to talk to your professional. How do you borrow wisely? I mean, there are people who are in the market to, to get that house and with the infl- rising inflation rates uh, and interest rates, uh, people are, you know, uncertain. So how do you borrow wisely? What are the questions I guess you need to ask or, or the things you need to know? Well, I think the most important thing is to read the fine print and really understand exactly what you're signing up for. As we've been talking about, like some people don't realize that when they're signing up with a finance company, for an example, um, they'll call it a home equity loan. And they don't realize that the home equity loan means it's actually a second mortgage on your house. So it's tied to your house. If you don't pay it, you would lose your property. So it's really important that you ask those questions. Ask what the interest rate is. So again, you know, you get these offers, they come out in the mail and it says you're pre-qualified for a $5,000 loan or you're pre-qualified for a $10,000 loan. And it's important to say, well, what is the interest rate on that? Because many of these finance companies are charging interest rates upwards of 35%. So although the monthly payment may be low and seem manageable, what you're actually going to end up repaying is significantly higher. Like a credit card is, is less expensive than some of these finance company loans. So it's really important that you understand what you're signing up for and how much you're actually repaying in the long run. I think the next thing that you really want to consider is, can you afford the repayment structure, right? So once you're comfortable that you're paying a reasonable interest rate and it is the right option for you um, in getting this debt, it's ensuring you can repay it. So you're, and not that you can just meet the minimum payment, but that you're going to be able to repay it in a reasonable period of time. And you're not going to find yourself getting snowed under if you have a change in your, your circumstances, right? To where you have less money coming in or interest rates go up, like we've been talking about uh, so far on the show. You've mentioned a few things now, and you say some people don't realize that a home equity loan is actually a second mortgage. You mentioned a few things off the top of the show. What are the some of the big, I suppose, mistakes that people make or, or the, the biggest misunderstandings that people have about their own personal finances? I think one of the big ones for me is looking at the monthly payment and not looking at the actual amount that's going to be repaid. So like I said, some of these finance companies are charging 35 40% interest. So you need to understand that. I think the second thing is 
just because you've been approved for credit, and this one is so, so important because I see this all the time, just because you've been approved, it doesn't mean you should get it and it doesn't mean you can actually afford it. So we see this in the housing market quite a bit, right? So when you're approved for a mortgage, the mortgage company is not looking at what your actual monthly expenses are. They're looking at what your current debt repayment is, they're considering, you know, property tax and those kinds of things, but they're not looking at, you know, do you have school activities, sports activities you pay for for your child? Do you have childcare, like daycare expenses that you have to pay for? They're not considering, you know, how far do you have to drive to work? What's your gas bill? Like, they don't look at all these types of things in your budget. So it's important. Only you know what you can afford when you look at your budget and everything that's in there. So before you sign up for credit, even if you've been approved, you really need to understand whether or not it fits into your budget. And I've seen that personally uh, many times by, from people who say, yeah, I just got approved for a $400,000 mortgage. And, and you look at them and you go, really? Can you afford that? <laughs> I, you know, work with you <laughs> or whatever the case may be. You know, I have a fairly good sense of what's going on here. Um, so do you find that a lot of people just tend to go, yeah, let's go for it? They, a lot of the people do, Lynn, and it's, you know, it's not necessarily, I would say, a fault of theirs because they're trusting of the individual who's providing them the information. So a lot of people believe, well, the bank wouldn't give me the credit if I couldn't afford it. But again, it's important to understand they're not looking at your individual financial situation. They're plugging some numbers into a formula and kicking out an approval. So it's really important that you scrutinize that. And the other thing, too, is it's not only just about mortgages. Like a lot of times you'll get it if you're a good customer for a credit card provider, they'll tell you that they're going to increase your limit. Well, really think about can you afford to repay if you were to use the increase in limit? And do you need it? Right. Do you actually need that? Because it can be tempting sometimes, but temptations, you can get into trouble if you end up using that existing or available credit and then can't afford to to repay it. So, you know, one of my proudest moments uh, as an aunt was when my niece said, you know, Nancy, my my credit card company offered me an increase in my credit card and I told them I didn't need it. And I was so proud. I'm like, oh, she's listening. (laughs) That is a proud moment. Nancy, we only have an hour and a, uh, an hour and a half, a minute and a half left. Um, any final advice or words of wisdom or where ke- people can go to get more information? I think my final piece of advice, Lynn, will be don't struggle. Don't sit in the financial stress. Don't sit in the anxiety. Like I said, some of the statistics you're going to hear on my show on Saturday are staggering around the number of people who are struggling right now and are feeling anxious about their financial future. Reach out and get some advice. Reach out and know your options. You know, talking to a licensed insolvency trustee or a reputable credit counseling agency there's no obligation to sign up for any sort of program, but it gives you the knowledge to know whether or not, you know, you have options and what the best option is for you. I shouldn't say whether you have options. There's always an option to deal with uh, with debt and financial difficulties. So just reach out and, and get the advice is, is always the key. And listen to your money on VOCM this Saturday. Nancy Snedden, a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Thank you, Linda. Have a great day. And Nancy Snedden is a licensed insolvency trustee with BDO. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.